Have you ever wondered what Jesus would say if he could speak to you today? Join us on our podcast, A Weekly Message from Jesus, as I use my gift of spirit communication to bring you a channeled message from Jesus. The link is a weekly message from Jesus.podbeam.com. His messages will bring you much happiness and guidance in your life. Hello, my soul-seeking friends. It's Shanna. Thank you so much for listening to Sense of Soul Podcast. Enlightening conversations with like-minded souls from around the world, sharing their journey of finding their light within, turning pain into purpose, and awakening to their true sense of soul. If you like what you hear, show me some love and rate, like, and subscribe. And consider becoming a Sense of Soul Patreon member, where you will get ad-free episodes, monthly circles, and much more. Now go grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Hey listeners, just wanted to let y'all know about an upcoming cosmic event for this leap year day. Jennifer Mitchell is going to facilitate a two-hour quantum leap experience for us for only $29. And if you're a Patreon member, you even get 25% off of that. You cannot beat that. So I suggest you go check that out either on Sense of Souls Patreon, or I'll even put the link to register in the show notes. And for today's episode, we have a sweet repeat, Karen Newell. Karen is the co-founder of Sacred Acoustics. She is a specialist in personal development with a diverse body of work that rests upon the foundation of spiritual transformation experiences. Karen is also the co-author of the book, Living in a Mindful Universe, that she wrote with her life partner, Dr. Eben Alexander. Karen's joining us today to share with you how very sacred these acoustic frequencies are. So please welcome back Karen Newell. Hello. Thanks so much for being with me. I was just thinking about this this morning since I've talked to you, which, you know, I've evolved so much. I mean, well, I've talked as to you. Have I. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, and <laughs> I mean, I have over the years purchased some of the tracks and have sent them to some of my clients. Oh, I've really, and yes, I've used them. My children have used them. So yeah, I'm really excited to have you on again. Well, that so familiarity that... will make a difference in our conversation. Yes, yes. And you know, that part of my journey, like the vibration frequency really, really became important to my understanding of connecting more with that higher consciousness and more of my soul, right? My highest self connecting with that. So. Well, your soul is yeah. a vibration, so that's the way you connect, so you know, a lot of times people just think some of this is so woo-woo and it's like, no, actually science really today is backing this up. Yeah. Well, meditation in general has tons of research, but binaural beats, there was research even back in the seventies for mental health and creativity that was going on. So tell me about how did you get into discovering sacred acoustics? Well, it was about 15, 16 years ago when I was on a path to really learn how to meditate. And Mm -hmm. I had learned all of the wonderful benefits of meditation, you know, how it helps your immune system. It helps any mental health issues. And so it helps with physical things, but also it helps you get more in touch behind kind of that 
ego racing thoughts. And I, I was very curious about that. And meditation was really hard for me. And I was a busy project manager. And so every time I would try to meditate, all I could think of was things I had to do, lists I had to make, people I had to talk to. And I thought, well, this is a waste of time. I, I you know, this was crazy. And I started to tell myself, oh, I'm just one of those people who can't meditate. And mm -hmm. uh, I persisted. And it was when I discovered this particular type of sound that I started to make some headway. And these sounds, at first it was things like gongs or crystal mm -hmm. bowls, tuning forks, those kinds of things really helped to calm my mind and help me to find that singular focus that meditation really requires. And binaural beads was the technical name for the sounds coming out of these instruments because we discovered much later that crystal bowls are emitting these natural binaural beats. But I learned that they can be created digitally and I discovered many different forms of them. And in the process of using them, I found, oh my gosh, I finally was able to escape that racing mind. I was uh, able to, what I discovered most of all was that I had suppressed emotions that hadn't really been processed. And that is what was holding me back to getting into these deeper states because those are a little uncomfortable. And so I was kind of protecting myself. And once I started listening to these binaural beats, I realized how useful they could be for so many things. And uh, when I met Kevin Cossey, an audio engineer, he discovered my large library of uh, binaural beats. And he said that he wanted to make his own. And so my library was very useful. And we began uh, sort of taking apart other people's binaural beats and making them into what worked best for us. I was kind of the muse for the uh, audio engineer. And so I would tell him, well, I need a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And he would tune them right to my particular frequency. But I've learned since then that we're all a little bit different. And so we're all going to respond differently to different sets of frequencies. And later we met Dr. Evan Alexander, who is a neurosurgeon who had a near-death experience, wrote that book, Proof of Heaven. But he's the one who encouraged Kevin and I to make these available to others. And so that's how we created Sacred Acoustics. And we've been creating tones ever since. We first met in 2010. And we still are creating new sets of frequencies to help people get into all kinds of different states. I really like how you have them for specific things. I had a client who was in college and she was, you know, had a lot of anxiety. And I want to say there was a specific one for studying at the time. There still okay. is. Okay. Yeah. So. There's. Yes. There's a set of recordings we call the Whole Mind Bundle, and we were very fortunate several years ago for a psychiatrist in New York City, Dr. Anna Yusum, who started mm -hmm. prescribing them to her patients, and she measured, yeah. she chose to measure anxiety, fortunately, using the state trait anxiety inventory often used in psychiatric research. And she discovered after two weeks of daily listening, people were able to reduce anxiety by 26%. And in the control group, which was her psychiatric patients just getting regular therapy in the same time frame, they reduced their anxiety by 7%. So that's a pretty big difference. But like your uh, client, she had 
a patient who was a medical student. And mm -hmm. this set of recordings, I'll explain in a moment, not only helped her reduce anxiety about exams, but it helped her study, helped her sleep better. And all of those things together really helped to improve her life. And another patient of hers, this story is kind of interesting because he was in a long-term toxic relationship. And after listening to these, he kind of shifted into a new energy inside of himself such that he was able to resolve that toxic relationship. So not really an intended purpose, but when people mm -hmm. start listening, they find they get kind of more aligned with their soul, kind of their purpose, who they really are. And when that vibration shifts, they find it's no longer really resonant to be with certain people who maybe aren't so good to have in your life. But this whole mind bundle is still available. And the uh, pilot study of Dr. Yusem was actually published in uh, the Journal of Nervous and Mental Disease the month before the COVID pandemic began. <laughs> and so I took that information and made these recordings available to everyone, reduced their price and made it free for anyone who needed them to help reduce their anxiety because anxiety was rampant in our world then. And honestly, it still is. And so I have kept that offer available to anyone and financial difficulties will not be a barrier. So those recordings- yes, very are affordable too. The ones that I've purchased. There was another lady that I knew who she was going into labor soon. And I got on your website and I got her like whatever it was for her to use when she was actually in labor to play. Yeah, that was a cosmic womb, we call that. Yes. <laughs> and uh, there's also another one called Sacred Lullaby. And my daughter listened to both of those while she was pregnant the first time. And uh, uh -huh. she's pregnant again now, hasn't started listening again, but I think she will soon. Yeah, that cosmic womb was actually created by our audio engineer when his wife was pregnant. And he created it specifically to accompany her during labor. And that one was made really interesting. He used something called a kashi chime, which was made mm. out of Himalayan bamboo. And he oh. added these binaural beats to this kashi chime. So it's a rather unique recording. Yeah. Even though it wasn't in labor, beautiful. I loved it. <laughs> and yes. even if you're not in labor, <laughs> it's a beautiful yeah. sound. We play it a lot at events just to keep mm -hmm. people calm and get them into that calm state. And it's very gentle. It has theta frequencies. The binaural beats are actually based on your brainwave state. And so the brain, when it is hooked up to an EEG, it's measuring the electric signal coming out of the brain. And it's measured in hertz, the same way we measure sound. And so you zero to four hertz, that's the delta state when we're asleep four to seven hertz, that's the theta state associated with meditation, deep relaxation, sort of that hypnagogic space between awake and asleep. And then alpha, that's seven to 12 hertz, that's what people use for focus. You mentioned that. People will use that. Sometimes they use theta, sometimes alpha to help get into a, a state where they can read more efficiently, study and what have you, maybe write. And uh, beta, that's 12 to 30 hertz. That's the state we're in when we're walking, we're talking. That's the state we want to kind of remove ourselves from so that we can quiet that inner voice and find that essence of who we are. And that's what really starts to help reduce the anxiety, 
help us get calmer. And from there, it's a wonderful foundation for further exploration. But how we deliver, say, a four hertz signal, remember, that's the space between awake and asleep, right at the border between delta and theta. That means we put one frequency in one ear and then a frequency that's four hertz different in the other ear. And that Mm -hmm. creates this wavering sound, sort of a wah, wah, wah that you hear that's very constant. And that seems to affect the lower brainstem. And the lower brainstem, the neurosurgeon Dr. Alexander tells us, is the most primitive part of who we are. And so that was in evolutionary terms, that was the first part of the brain that was developed. And he believes is related to our pure conscious state. So kind of returning to that lower brainstem state takes us out of the busy neocortex, the thinking part of the brain. And so there's a lot of science behind this. It's not just crazy sounds like people might think of a crystal bowl or a gong. Those sounds are emitting this type of binaural beat that really helps to quiet the mind. And people really need to try it for themselves to find out how it's going to work for them because everyone is a little different. And I'm a big advocate of trying many different techniques so that you can find the right combination that works best for you. I agree. You know, it's interesting when I had COVID, I've had COVID like four times. One of the times I had long COVID symptoms where it was affecting my upper digestive system where it wasn't opening. So I I mean, even drinking water would get stuck up in this top section, like the bottom of my stomach wasn't opening. It's some sort of paralysis even. I, I don't know, but thank God it was temporary. Well, but what I did is, you know, unconsciously in the middle of the night, I was going, mm, you know, I was like moaning it because my partner would tell me, he's like, my God, you know, you're, you sound like you're in so much pain. And then later I had on, I'm not really sure who it was, but she was talking about chanting and she's, she, and I use her all the time as well. Cause she's, she also sells like little clips of her chanting for specific things. I don't remember exactly what it was specifically for, but it stuck out and I started to use it. And what she said was when you make that sound that vibrates that lower lip, that almost like one of those steamboats, then it stimulates your vagus nerve, which then fights against that inflammation. And actually every time I would do it, it was working with opening up my stomach. Wow. And I could almost feel, I mean, I, it, it's, it was really strange, not the first time, but like the second or third time it happened, I could almost feel a drop of it. I mean, like opening. And so, but then I start thinking about it. I'm like, this is just vibration. You're, you know, and then I read that they actually, like, if you have this forever, they'll put a device in your stomach that has a vibration that stimulates this bottom part of your stomach to open. I'm like, but we could do that for ourselves. So there was something with the vibration, you know, that I, I was doing their chanting. And so I'm just wondering, like, is there a connection between these different frequencies? Because it, they kind of sound a little bit like it. Like when you chant and stuff, it reminds me of the same vibration of these binaural beats or the sound bowls and all that stuff. Yeah, it does. And what I find so remarkable is that your body naturally knew to make that sound. And I didn't know, I know. about that. I didn't know about that research, but 
I have kind of a a thing where I I vomit <laughs> I and over very small things and I will find myself moaning like that and I, I'm wondering mm. it's probably very related to help kind of soothe my uh whatever symptom I'm feeling but yeah. it, you know we're made of a vibration uh yeah. our soul is a vibration and we bring that vibration into our physical body and it affects our physical body and so it's no wonder to me that we can use different vibrations to help adjust the body and the mind, the soul, and so on. And we include in our recordings in many of them, not the ones I've mentioned so far, but we include what we call oming because, yeah. and, and encourage people to make that om sound because when you do that, you're, cre- you're bringing more attention to that vibration of who you are. And that mm-hmm. helps you kind of, set a foundation for interacting with the vibrations of the tones. And so, yes, some of our recordings have that ohm kind of sound. And I found that even when you try different pitches, like a higher pitch, a lower pitch, you'll feel it kind of vibrating in different parts of your body. So I found that lower pitches, at least for a woman, my lowest pitch, I would feel my heart vibrate. And that felt so, so wonderful because The other tool that really helped me besides sound was a particular form of heart rhythm meditation. And it involved matching different breathing patterns to the heartbeat that your heart is naturally emanating. And so when you can, it's hard sometimes to find the heartbeat. And so when you can make that sound, you have more awareness of your heart and it allows you to get in touch with it. But you can make different sounds to get in touch with different parts of your body. And the one that you were probably toning, they call it toning, some people, was probably related to your stomach and maybe experimenting with naturally different moaning sounds probably helped you find the one that made you feel better. So how wonderful that our bodies have this natural knowing. Yeah, primal. That's so amazing. Because like you said, we're energy. So, you know, we should be working and looking to these tools that match our energy, just logically, even. I mean, people, this is logic. (laughs) It's logic. You learn from experience. One of the things I learned related to what you're saying is back when I was in a a, a marriage that I was kind of wondering, is this really the right person for me? And this is when I was exploring a lot spiritually. I was trying different techniques and I came home from a particular weekend retreat and I felt different and I didn't notice. It was very subtle. I didn't notice how different I felt until I re-interacted with my husband. And when I did, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't do this anymore. I'm not attuned to this negative vibration that we shared with each other. And I was so strong in a different vibration, I believe more of the essence of who I was. I kind of gave up who I was and matched his vibration or mine was such that I attracted that kind of partner. But when I found my strength in my own essence, I can no longer be with him. So all the mental wondering, should I or shouldn't I? Finally, the answer just became obvious and it was very easy to move forward and remove myself from that situation. And the more personal work I did on myself, the more I found the world around me rearranging itself to match what my heart's desire truly was. 
to live in a different location, to have a different type of work, to have a different partner. All of that seemed to resolve itself without any effort. And it's not like you don't do anything at all. Of course, you have to make responsible choices and notice, you know, different avenues and not be afraid to get out of your comfort zone, but really getting more familiar. I love the name of your podcast with the sense of your soul. That is the key really to good living. Attention witches. This is Nina Moreau broadcasting a special alert from the Grimoire Society. We ask that witches please remember to subscribe to the new monthly newsletter. While we love psychically sending you every spell, recipe, penny dreadful, and conjure advice that we have, spirit representatives have asked that we cease clogging up the ether. We have contracted a special team of messenger pigeons to deliver your monthly newsletter directly to your doorstep. For only $5, you can sign up for this elusive serial at www.thegrimoiresociety.com. Remember, this notice is for witches only. If you are not a witch and have somehow come across this broadcast, you will forget all that you've heard in three, two. Yeah. And you know what's so funny is I almost feel like a lower vibration can't even exist in that higher frequency. Exactly. Like it, like it, it just, bounces off. For me, it was like, oh, it was just a recognition. It was no longer a stress or anxiety. It was a recognition. Yeah. Oh, I don't do this anymore. It, very mm -hmm. similar to when I stopped drinking alcohol. You know, I wasn't considered an alcoholic or anything like that. But at the time I was drinking wine with dinner and I was doing all these spiritual treats, a different one that I came home from. Uh, I went out to dinner and I was like, oh, I don't want any wine. And that happened over and over again. And I realized, oh, I guess I don't drink anymore. And that honestly, for me, was a blessing because alcohol and I didn't really get along. Not that it was a big, again, a big problem in my life, but it was enough that it was keeping me from reaching that more spiritual sense of who I am. And wow. we all are. Okay. It's our birthright to find this energy within ourselves. I haven't drank in, it'll be 12 years and I'm not an alcoholic. I just made that decision. You know why? Because I wanted to stay clear. Yeah. Like anything that took me out of this clarity, I wanted nothing to do with. Yeah. Alcohol, you know, I, I am not going to speak to anyone's use of it and how they use it for me. Mm -hmm. That's what I discovered was the better thing. Often I would drink too much and get sick and, you know, mm -hmm. that's no fun, but yet it was very social, right? So when you're out with people and that's what they want you to do, it's uh, kind of like peer pressure. I felt that too. Yeah. And when I met Eben Alexander, he's now my life partner in life. And he was an alcoholic. And way back in the 1980s, he had gone through rehab and stopped drinking altogether, hadn't drank since the 1980s. So it's very interesting that my vibrational shift vibration. in the area yeah. of drinking occurred in 2008, which was several months before he had his coma. So part of me thinks that I was getting prepared for meeting him three years later is when I met him. But that was a big piece of it because if I had still been drinking, I'm not sure we would have been able to connect the way we did with the resonance that we felt with each other. It's almost like I had to rediscover that part of myself to be ready. 
But in the same, like how you said, you no longer resonated with your marriage because your vibration was high, you know, as it began to rise. And, you know, you hear this a lot. I hear this a lot. People messaging me and saying, you know, what do I do? I'm starting to awaken, but yeah, the people in my family are not, and they think I'm crazy. And I'm thinking like, wake up people. And we're just not on the same vibe. Well, that vibration, you know, when you make the decision to increase your vibration, that's kind of one of the natural things that happen. I I have the same thing. My family thinks I'm crazy. Even Evan's family, we don't talk about consciousness and soul with our families. They're like, no, what's for dinner? You need to slip them some sacred acoustics, like in the background or something. (laughs) I try. I've given it to people when they show interest. But, you know, you have to meet people where they are. Many times when you make this discovery, you're very excited about trying to show Mm -hmm. others. But Mm -hmm. really, all you can do, I've learned, is model. Be that person. And eventually, when people are ready, they'll make that leap. And be ready for that when they do, because they'll be coming and asking you questions when they realize, oh, my gosh, I want some of what she has or he has and can be quite challenging, though, at first to kind of feel certain relationships fall away. Sometimes it's a good thing, you know, toxic relationships or the people you used to drink all the time with all you that's all you had in common, for example, or other such things. But what you find as you move forward is a new collection of companions and friends start to appear. And that's what's happened for me. They just start to appear and you find each other. Sometimes we'll say, you know, we're getting the band back together. That's from the <laughs> I like that. <laughs> because, you know, our souls know this, that when we get yeah. into the physical body, we're distracted, we forget. And that's part of the challenge is to really rediscover that aspect, our materialist society, by materialist, I mean, the idea that only the physical body is real. That is a very ingrained thought in our belief, really, in our Western culture, unless you're religious, but even some religious people think that heaven is a physical location. And they don't realize that it's really a vibration and that it's non physical. So changing that belief is really key. And the way you change that belief is to have the experience of yourself as a soul and start to notice how connecting with it starts to make shifts in your physical world. You know, they talk about mind over matter. I call it spirit over matter. (laughs) When you connect with that spiritual aspect of yourself, you really Mm. can have an effect on your unfolding reality. And it's not necessarily obvious. It can be very subtle, but over time you start to notice. Hey listeners, did you know that Sense of Soul has a network of lightworkers affiliates program? Now you get to work with one of our inspiring guests. And I'd like to introduce you to one of our affiliates, Master Hand Analysis, Brent Bruning. He has studied the life patterns over 20,000 people, including many individuals in high-profile positions. Hand analysis is one of the most powerful ways to unlock your self-knowledge so that you can find your spark within. This session is sure to be as unique as your fingerprints. Book your session and get a special Sense of Soul discount at www.thepowerinyourhands.com and use the code sense of soul you can also find 
this link in the show notes. You can also go to mysenseofsoul.com and in the menu, look for the network of lightworkers. Now back to our amazing guest. And so it's no wonder that so many people are, are stuck and the awakening is really removing yourself from that belief that only the physical world is real. One example of this is uh, after-death communications. So many mm-hmm. people have lost loved ones, and at some point, they may have a dream about their loved one or feel some kind of connection, a scent, a touch. And I've learned through research that more than half of us, some people mm-hmm. estimate 60 to 70% of us, have had these experiences. But when you talk about them, the first thing that happens is someone says, ah, you, that's just... You're just making that up. That's wishful thinking. That's a hallucination. It's dismissed. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we have our own experiences and dismiss them because we think it can't be real. And so that's just one example of how we can get in touch with that spiritual aspect of who we are. It's really not supernatural or paranormal. Mm -hmm. It's natural. Mm -hmm. It's normal. But our belief system just doesn't accommodate this uh, concept of soul, the non-physical part of us. And so that's what really contributed contributes to people's awakening is making that realization and then taking it from there, using that soul energy to, you know, really make shifts in your life and not only for yourself, but for others, because I found that the stronger and more aligned I get, the more my daughter the more yeah. she's able to get into where who she is. And mm-hmm. it's not talking about it. I used to give her many lectures about these concepts, but it's actually walking the talk, living that life. And she sees now, oh, wow, that crazy cult stuff you used to talk about. I see now how it works. And right. she's learned this at a much younger age than I did. I'm so pleased in her 30s that she's mm-hmm. starting to get it. And I think more and more young people are starting yeah. to understand this. That's what will change our world. Oh, I love that. You know, when you were, when you're giving that example, I was, I was, I, I, I was feeling it within me. And I think most people can relate to that. It's like when you, when something so exciting happened, you've got like this big high and you could feel this vibration because you're so excited about it. And then when someone dismisses that, you could feel it too. You just drop. You go inside. Yeah. Yeah. Everything goes low. And you never want to lower your vibration for just to be around other people. And so that's why people don't talk about those experiences because they don't want to have that down, right? They Mm -hmm. don't, they just don't want to hear it. And so that's why we don't realize how common it is because nobody talks Mm -hmm. about it for fear of ridicule. Mm -hmm. So true. You know, early, I've been studying the Gnostic Gospels since I've seen you last. And so that's been a fun journey, really, really deep stuff. But one of the things that I ended up going down this road of Solomon wanted to know why he was so fascinated with wisdom. And it led me to um, the Bible where it talks about King David and his lyre. Are you familiar with that story? No, I'm not. So King David, before he was a king, he was just a little boy, and 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 he would play his lyre, and oh, he was not. Lyre. I call it a lyre. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. It's like a harp. Yes. Yes. And so he would play it, and then King Saul had sent somebody to find someone to play this for him because he enjoyed this music. 
So they went and they chose little David. (laughs) And so he would go and he would play it for him. And in the Bible, it describes like what would happen when he would play this lyre or lyre and there would be like, it would summon out the demons and it would create like this safe space, this healing space and this protection around King Saul. And so he was having little David play this thing all the time. So I looked up what was going on with this. I wanted to know what are these, you know, sounds that are coming off, which they actually match the solfagio frequencies. And I thought, well, how divine is that? This is not anything new. And then I discovered these go back all the way to like, there's stories of Ur and the liar. Amazing. Like we're talking in very ancient, ancient text. This is what you're doing today. I have to think they were. I just have to think they were. And also I'm fascinated with ancient cultures and this knowledge. Mm -hmm. And the Greeks absolutely knew about this. Pythagoras, actually his theories of octaves influences how we create our binaural beats. And every tone in our recordings is harmonic to every other tone. And I know from personal analysis that not every binaural beat producer does that. They're not doing that, but we do. So that brings a little musicality to some Mm -hmm. rather harsh digital frequencies. Some binaural beats can sound rather harsh. And so people will add water sounds like surf or rain or pink noise, white noise. And we found we have to do much less of that when we apply these harmonic principles, but the ancients knew this. And so I feel Mm -hmm. like we're rediscovering this knowledge. And I'm sure some people have known it all along, but not our mainstream culture. And, you know, it hearkens to the mystery schools of ancient Mm -hmm. world, where Mm -hmm. I believe that's what they were doing is helping people awaken to that non-physical aspect of themselves. And once they knew that, that gave them the secrets of how the world works which is be in touch I with your soul. Too. And I found out David had passed that liar on that to Solomon. Well, very and good. Yeah. To me, I had this thought, well, that became the Ark of the, that also was a part of the Ark of the Covenant, whether you see it as a physical, you know, Ark or, you know, ancient wisdom passed down. I believe that was a huge part of it. Well, and some people say that sound was used to help build the Great Pyramid of Giza, because even today, engineers cannot duplicate in today's technology, the the mastery of that Great Pyramid, the way the stones were put together, how heavy they were, the directional alignment that it has. And so many people theorize that a certain type of sound made through vocal tones by humans or perhaps other types oh, of creatures. Are struggling in doing it and like, oh. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. They're like, learning. oh, yeah, they use logs and whatever. And no, you can't duplicate what they did. But somehow the sound, people theorize, yeah. affected the matter of the stones and made them lighter and easier to move around or made them liquefy so that they could form into the form they needed to be because the space between the stones is so close. It's unbelievable. Or aliens. (laughs) No, no, I don't go there (laughs) because I want to empower humans on earth. Humans. If it's aliens, that just means other 
uh, beings from other planets, that doesn't mean we also can't have those abilities. You hearken to the, the Bible, Jesus even said, you can do these things and more when he would perform mm. the miracles. He was trying to tell people, you have these abilities. It, I'm not the only one. By, nat- mm. by virtue of being human, you can learn mm. this. And I think that's <laughs> maybe what we're on the verge of really coming to. You know, when I talk to different channelers or psychics, people can poo-poo all that. But when you start to see patterns, lots of folks are saying that we've only touched the surface of what frequency can really do. And how interesting that, you know, laser surgery, focus ultrasound surgery, for example, is just an incredibly high frequency that we can't hear. Mm -hmm. And it can be used in all kinds of ways that we just really can't imagine. We have to open our minds to believe that it's actually possible in order for us to start to make these discoveries. And so the more and more people who are coming to know this through their own personal experience, like yourself, like myself and many others, the more this will start to become more prevalent in our world. My goodness. You know, when you were talking about them building, I I also thought about when I, in my own journey, when I was researching my ancestry, I have a French Creole um, lineage and well, quite a few of them. And so I had slavery, you know, in my you know, in my lineage, I had ancestors who were slaves who didn't even have names, you know, when I put together my tree. And and I was researching and during that time I was I was connecting with um, you know, certain plantations and this and that and reading about them and watching stuff. And one of the things that they would do to get through the day is they would hum and sing different songs and stuff that they that were that were coming up from their agony though it was like oh and then that would turn into a song yeah i thought that was so interesting this is in us and it's primal in us and it's trying to resonate and teach us from the inside out <laughs> yeah and even when you go back to that biblical story of creation. We sound like we're biblical scholars. I'm certainly not. Yeah, I know. But right? in the beginning was the word, the sound. Mm-hmm. That's it what was. existed before physical matter in that story. I have to think that all the ancient scriptures, you know, put them all together. And there's some patterns there when you start to look at them. And vibration is the fundamental nature of who yes. we are. And we get confused when we look around and we see all everything around us. And we don't realize that even science will tell you that everything is a vibration that, you know, mm-hmm. when you look at the atoms and how they spin around and that there's all this empty space in between and all of that spinning is what really say holds a table together. And yeah. so, but, but we don't notice it because we're right. used to seeing it as solid, but our voices, our emotions, our feelings, all of that has vibration to it. And, you know, I like to talk about our emotions as having vibration because of the work of heart math. They've discovered all of us around our hearts, there's this electromagnetic field and it expands and contracts based on our emotions. That's what's controlling this field. And so I like to say that we, when we learn to manage our emotions, you know, not to be so reactive to things and to learn mm-hmm. how to kind of take a step back and really judge, uh, you know, feel into a situation a little more intentionally, that we're really just getting in touch with that heart energy. 
And, you know, everyone is emanating a certain resonance from their heart, from their whole being, but the center is the heart. And we know when we're with someone where maybe we don't feel very comfortable, that resonance is a little off. And then other people we meet, we feel this beautiful warmth, stability, comfort, you know, that's the other extreme, feeling each other's vibrations. And the emotions that we have are clues to what those vibrations are. And so when we have, say, a emotional response to an event, you know, we're used to saying, like in a relationship, oh, it's the event is causing this, or that person is causing this. But really, it's making you notice a vibration within yourself. And so when you can look within yourself to learn how can I shift that vibration so I don't respond this way, that's when you start to become a master of your energy field. And those emotions are mm-hmm. emanating vibrations all the time. We know when we're around someone angry, it's, ah, we, we don't like it. And yeah. this is where we can really start to notice, say, the subtle differences between emotions like joy versus comfort. You know, you, mm-hmm. you might think they're kind of the same, but they're slightly different. And when you start to notice what those subtle differences are, mm-hmm. that's when you start to move into a space where you can more consciously understand how your emotions are affected. Like anxiety and real like excitement actually almost feels the same too. Yes. Yes. And so if you can shift that anxiety to excitement in your mind, you know, figure out what is that anxiety? Maybe a a lot of it is in your head, sort of using your logic, but you also have to allow yourself to go deep into those feelings. And at the beginning of our conversation, I mentioned how that can be kind of uncomfortable at first. Mm -hmm. I know I had to tap into deep, deep feelings of loneliness that I had Mm -hmm. no idea I was holding inside sort of this feeling of abandonment. And when I first discovered it, I didn't like it. And I felt despair and, Mm -hmm. you know, horrible, deep kind of being abandoned and, but allowing myself to really feel that really was the, uh, modality to release it. Because if you keep suppressing it, shutting it down, then you're not allowing it to express. And once Mm -hmm. I was able to accept that loneliness as a part of who I am, oh my gosh, it was replaced with this beautiful, wonderful feeling of connection and knowing that I can never be alone because I have Mm -hmm. this whole team of spirit guides or something, or maybe it's just my own higher soul that's so much bigger than we realize that is there. And we never really truly can be alone if we can tap into that energy. And I was even just thinking it almost became for you like a sacred solitude instead of loneliness. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that is a really good way of looking at it because, you know, I once had a, a hypnosis session where they take you to your life between lives, they call it. This is all through the work of- Yeah, I've had that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And when I first left my body from my previous lifetime, they walk you through that death process. I went Mm -hmm. into what I called a void. And Mm -hmm. some people, when they touch that void energy, it leaves Mm -hmm. them very nervous. They don't like it because it seems so empty. But for me, it was comforting. And so you're Mm -hmm. right, that loneliness, when I shifted it to this, wonderful sense of beautiful solitude. And I remember telling the hypnotherapist while in hypnosis that Mm -hmm. I really didn't want to come out of the womb 
uh, too soon because, and I was three weeks late. I didn't want to come out too soon because I was enjoying my solitude. And I spent oh. three years of earth time in that void before I moved on to process. You my- needed a break. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, my hypnotherapist was like, okay, we're going to move on, but how long in earth time were you there? And, you know, I said three years. And so in the Gnostic Gospels, it's the Pleroma, right? The void and the fullness. Yes. And Evan Alexander in his near-death experience talks about the brilliant, dazzling darkness, how mm. the darkness is just so Such duality. Full, yeah, of light. Yeah. And so that really can, that's one beautiful example of flipping loneliness to beautiful solitude. And so mm-hmm. when I tapped into it from a more conscious state, it was uncomfortable. But then I realized, yeah. oh, no, it's it's not. That's yeah. part of who I am. And, well, and I taught my children that because, you know, they, they right away would say, oh, I have anxiety. And I said, just replace that with energy on your chest because that's really, truly what it is. Yeah, you say anxiety right away, you know, something is wrong with me. It's just energy on your chest that you're sensing. I love how the current day children's programming is shifting. And I know this through my six-year-old grandson and he sees programming on television and Mm -hmm. different YouTube, I don't know, whatever programming for kids. I think I'm thinking too of uh, that movie Inside Out and Soul is another one. That's a good one. That's amazing. My kids actually during that, during that movie go, Mom, did you write this movie and not tell us about it? Because <laughs> <laughs> they think you're the only one because, you, yeah, you're different. Yeah. So Dominic Dominic is now saying to his mother when he's feeling anxious or out of sorts, uh-huh. he'll say, I need a timeout. And he'll just go into mm-hmm. his room and sit quietly, you know, kind of mimicking mm-hmm. what he's seeing. If I had only seen that, I, I grew up with Sesame Street was first coming mm-hmm. out when I was five, mm-hmm. six years old. And we were learning letters and how to be kind, but they were not teaching how to get mm-hmm. in touch with your inner world. And, oh, and it was a punishment to be alone and go. Oh my around. gosh, that's right. You know, <laughs> the timeout was a punishment, and now Dominic uses that word as a positive love- thing. So yeah, flipping the language is so useful, and not yeah. bringing that label of judgment to your feelings, but just mm-hmm. this is how I feel. Allow it. And as children grow up this way, thank goodness, they're going to have different ways of dealing with all the stresses in the world. Yeah, their resonance is going to be a lot higher and easier to awaken to that higher self. Exactly. That's amazing. It is. You know, amazing. another thing I was thinking about is, so I had on the Her Talks a while back because, you know, I'm going down this Gnostic journey. So of course I want to have. <laughs> and I know them. We, we are oh, friends. too. Yes, oh my gosh, I love people. them so much. They're chanting these different sounds of God, but they brought to my attention I should be chanting my name. I have Vavra. And actually I talk about this in the in the episode that I released just this morning. We were talking about how, you know, people change their names to match the vibration. And Vav is the sixth letter of the, the Hebrew alphabet. It's also in Yod, He, Vod, He, right? Are you a Jewish? You know, I did not know I was Jewish, but actually my dad's Czechoslovakian, like the, JJ is actually, his family's also Czechoslovakian. But when I did my DNA, I had 11% Jewish that no one ever knew. So it was kind of buried yeah. and hid. 
And then, you know, I just learned from the man that I released his episode today that Ra is also like one of the eight Egyptian families. And I'm like, well, I didn't know any of that. But I started to chant my name on the suggestion of the Hertox. And it's so powerful, you know, just from the beginning, like you said, in the beginning of the Bible, I mean, yod heh vad I mean, Yahweh is only Yahweh because they added in vowels because originally right. there was no vowels in the Hebrew alphabet. And and so, Jews aren't supposed to say the name of God. So right? they had to write it with little hyphens. Yeah. Wow. I worked for 25 yeah. years for a, a Jewish company. So I'm very familiar with Jewish culture. You know, I almost feel like in some way that once I... I became aware of that DNA, that something in me lit up that I was, I became very fascinated with like the Kabbalah and I love Jewish mysticism and I feel yeah. like that's in me, right? And so once I brought the awareness, it resonated with me. There was a resonance. Yeah, very cool. I think the mystical traditions of most religions get a little yeah. closer to truth than maybe the scripture dogmatic parts of the religions. Wayne Dyer, back when sent to his cassette tapes, so that must have been the 90s, maybe, I don't, I forget, wow. 80s, 90s, he talked about chanting the word shalom. That, of course, is the, the Hebrew word for peace, but it means many things. But he said it was those vowel sounds, the ah yes. and the oh. Yes. Ah, yes. oh, and so I would do that shalom. And that was in the very early days of understanding this. But I think, it's, you know, every little thing we do adds together to make us ready for those deeper right. experiences. But how interesting. Well, you know, speaking of Wayne Dyer, he also, like I had found early on that he had hired somebody or something to kind of like you did with, what is his name? Kevin, Kevin? Uh, my Kevin, audio Kevin. engineer. Yes. Yeah. He had an audio engineer figure out what I am was, what the town, what the sound of I am was. And he had discovered that I am was 432 Hertz. Ohm was as well. It's a um, self-measure frequency. And it's, uh, what were you going to say? I believe it's. Well, what? I think it's also, I, I want to say that it's also the same frequency as maybe us and also earth. There was all of these. It yeah, was really There's divine. a lot of connection to the 432. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you that our own recording is tuned to the 432. Yeah. And Kevin is more than just an audio engineer. He's a co-founder yeah. of Sacred Acoustics and is quite in touch with his own spiritual side and is very well yeah. guided with these recordings. And, you know, we do have one that contains all the sophigio frequencies. It's called light body. And uh, it also includes uh, all the delta, different combinations of delta, theta, and alpha. But we also include gamma frequencies. I didn't talk about those. Those are above the 30 hertz theta state. And the mm. gamma state is something that people will get into, say, uh, when they're doing extreme athletic performance. We talk about a runner's high. People will just feel this great opening and connection to, you mm -hmm. know, the universe. And uh, longtime meditators will often, you know, shift out of that lower theta state into a gamma state where they're just much, much more mm -hmm. open to that feeling of oneness and connection. And uh, I know that we were measuring the brainwaves of a couple of mediums and they would shift into the gamma state when they were getting 
into their deeper connections. Not everyone, but occasionally that would happen. Gamma is more challenging to deliver through binaural beats because the frequencies are farther apart. So you kind of lose the wah, wah, wah sound. But Kevin figured out a way to do that in light body, uh, but also combine with others. I found when I listen to pure gamma frequencies that it makes mm -hmm. me uncomfortable. And it's almost mm -hmm. like I need, and many of us need that grounding of the lower frequencies in combination to really take advantage of those gamma states. But yeah, oh, we've I'll explored all, all the numbers of frequency. Yeah. I think 528 Hertz is the one, the solfeggio that is associated with the heart. And so we have okay. several heart recordings and all of them are based on the 528 Hertz. Yeah. I really like them. You know, when you go online and you just kind of put in binarial beats and you find some that like, I don't know, like Stargate ones that, you know, have are just for that purpose. And it, it's almost like very robotic in some way. Yours is more of an experience. I love them. Well, so. and be careful when you're looking online, say on YouTube or Spotify mm -hmm. or something that's being streamed because they're not delivering the highest quality of an MP3 file. And, uh, you know, uh, to be distorted. Yeah. They, they lower, they make the files smaller so that it'll fit more on your hard drive. Right. So I remember when iPods first came out, oh, you can have a million songs on this little device, but they mm -hmm. were making the MP3 uh, file quality much lower so they could be smaller. Yes, that and matters. Yeah. And YouTube and these streaming services, they're not delivering the full 320K BPS. Right. And all of ours are at that highest 320 kbps. And we found that it is just as effective as, say, a WAV file or something that hasn't been compressed at all. I know some audio files uh, find that MP3, even at 320k, is not quite pure enough. And so mm -hmm. they will purchase our CD format. And, uh, but to us, uh, average kind of listeners that aren't really audiophiles, the MP3 yeah. at 320K is just fine. And that's what we play at events and through online courses. And people have many experiences with those. But yeah, once you're on YouTube or something, yeah. you're losing that quality. So, True. and mm -hmm. as you say, many of them are created very much just, oh, let's put 100 hertz and 104 hertz together. And here yeah. you go. There's not intention. Yeah, we combine many other sounds to make them. Yes, they're so beautiful. I love them. Uh, and I, and I, like I said, I recommend them to, you know, anybody who's looking for, you know, you're my go-to. I mean, I will never send them to YouTube. I always send them to Sacred Acoustics. Awesome. So. And, and people should know that if you, if you go to our website, sacredacoustics.com, there's a free download. And if you put mm -hmm. in your email address, we'll send you a link to a 20 minute ohm recording. And some of our listeners, that's all they listen to. 20 minutes mm -hmm. a day is kind of the minimum recommendation for a meditation practice. Yeah, I saw that too. You have different segments. Yes, because 20 minutes may be the minimum recommended time, but we find that it takes a little bit longer for most of us to get into those deeper states. Deeper and then states, you want to yeah. come out of them a little more gently. So we include some kind of wake-up tone. So our average yeah. recording is about 40 minutes, but we have some that are 60 and 70 minutes too for the real deep experience. Wow. So some people believe that this can actually enhance or upgrade your DNA or activate your DNA. 
Well, Evan believes that we can influence our DNA just through the way we hold our energy. And so if the binaural beats are affecting your energy, then absolutely you can affect your DNA. And it's related to uh, neuroplasticity, right? Where you can, most people are familiar with that term where certain things can help you kind of reprogram your neurons. And we Mm -hmm. were taught, I know when I was younger, that you got your DNA and you got your environment, your nature and your nurture, Mm -hmm. and that's Mm -hmm. it. But there's this third aspect and that's your free will, your choices to do different things and have understandings that also can play a role in influencing, you know, who you are. And that includes your DNA. So yeah, he is on board Uh with it. Doesn't not necessarily know the precise mechanism, but that is Eben's passion. He is trying to uh, find the exact way to explain that mechanism so that scientists can really understand how this works. And then we can move forward from there with all the wonders that potentially are possible when we figure this out. I love that. And you know what I really love about you, Karen? I love how you give power to us. You're oh, like, yes. no, I'm not giving it away. <laughs> no, yeah, I love it, that. Love it's that about you. your choice. And we can feel like victims. We can blame, mm-hmm. you know, I could blame my former husband for all my problems, but it was mm-hmm. my energy that was allowing yeah. his energy to affect me. And I got empowered and all of us, I do love to empower people to realize they have all the ability in the world to make a difference in their lives. Yay. Thank you so much for coming on. Tell everybody again where they can go and find you. You can go to sacredacoustics.com. That's where you can find the free download, that whole mind bundle. There's at least one minute samples of all the recordings so you can try them out. And if you have any questions at all about any of it, you can fill out the contact form at sacredacoustics.com and they all come to me and I answer those questions uh, usually directly unless it's a, a technical, obvious problem. Awesome. That's so wonderful. Thanks so much for you and Kevin for all you do. And thanks so much for coming on again. I appreciate it. Well, and I must extend my gratitude to you because anyone who takes the time like you have in their own life to make those changes, to affect your children and the people around you. And then this podcast where you're affecting even more people, anyone who does this, even someone at home who gives this a try has my gratitude because I know that Whatever someone else is doing is contributing to the one consciousness that we're all a part of, that one heart or one spirit, I like to say, that ultimately we're all a part of. And so thank you, too, for what you do. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for listening to Sense of Soul podcast. And thanks to our special guests for joining me. If you want more of Sense of Soul, check out my website at www.mysenseofsoul.com where you can work with me one-on-one or help support Sense of Soul podcast by donating to my coffee fund. Thanks for listening.